0: This is tape number eight of the series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven, by Dr. Joel Hunter. The subject of this message is, What Will Be Like in Heaven? Dr. Hunter's scripture text is 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 42 through 44, and from the New International Version, it reads as follows, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by message number eight, What Will Be Like in Heaven, in this series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven.
1: Philippians 1.19, it says, I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life Or by death. I want to invite you right now to pray some prayers of acknowledgement that God has given you His provision to know Him, and that He has given you a calling in the body in which you live right now. And in fact, that this calling is a preparation for what is yet to come when we will be perfected in Him in heaven. I'm going to ask you to sit down and use the place where you sit as an altar before Him. Would you do that right now? And just pray your prayers. Confession, repentance, and praise for the provision and for the expectation. For it is my deep desire and my hope is eagerly that I not be put away to shame at all. But that with perfect bold. Just as I've been trying to do, so His
2: honor,
1: so His honor may be seen in my body. So His honor may So His honor may be seen, if I live or if I die, I may even have to die, so His honor may It is my strong desire And my hope is eagerly That I not be put away to shame at all But that with perfect boldness Just as I've been trying so oh, His honor, so His honor, so His honor may be seen in my body, so His honor may remain in my his honor may be seen if I live or if I die. I may even have to die so his honor may We're going to do our communion today in a little different manner. Some of you who come from a liturgical church background will be familiar with this. But we do this to bring us into connection with some patterns in the church that have been here for a long time. And we're going to partake of communion today using some a communion prayer that you will respond to. It's been a part of the church for over 1,200 years. And so here on this first Sunday of Lent, we want to connect with that ancient tradition that we enjoy as co-heirs of the promise of Christ. But before we do that, let me remind you of the seriousness, but also the joy of which we have in common with these elements here today. We come to recognize what Christ has done for us and the provision that He has made for us in order to be able to come into His presence. As we've talked about heaven, we've looked forward to that time when we will fully be in the presence of God. In in all that we are, we will be in the presence of God. And it's interesting how to go back into Genesis and see what caused us to not be in the presence of God. In fact, if you know the story, and I know you do, in Genesis 2 and 3, when Satan came to the woman and said, take and eat of this fruit that God has commanded you not to eat. And in so doing, by yielding to that sin, we, for the, all of us for every generation since Adam and Eve have also borne that responsibility. And just as they hid from the presence of God as He walked through the garden that day, we continue to hide from His presence because of our sin, because of the things that we have in our lives that separate us from God. So this morning, I want to invite you first and foremost to confess of those things which separate you from God. And then if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to freely partake of these elements of His body and His blood. But rather than singing this morning, we will respond to this communion prayer. You will be distracted only for a moment as the elements come by you. But if you would take the elements and then hold them until all have been served, we will take them together. Pray with me first this prayer of confession. Father, we come to this table not presuming on our own righteousness, but trusting in the grace and the mercy that You demonstrated to us through the brokenness of the body of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we can see the connection between His brokenness, the body that He laid down as a sacrifice for our sins in order to allow our bodies to come into Your presence. So Lord, we confess now the things that separate us from You. Hear our prayer, we pray. Please read responsively with me the words you'll see on the screen. The Lord be with you.
3: And also with you.
1: Lift up your hearts.
3: We lift them to the Lord.
1: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. Glory to you forever and ever. At your command, all things came to be, the vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile earth.
4: By your will, they were created and have their being.
1: From the primal elements, you brought forth the human race and blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. You made us the rulers of creation, but we turned against you and betrayed your trust and we turned against one another. Have
4: mercy, Lord, for we are sinners in Your sight.
1: Again and again You called us to return. Through prophets and sages You revealed Your righteous law. And in the fullness of time You sent Your only Son, born of a woman, to fulfill Your law, to open for us the way of freedom and peace. By His
4: blood He reconciled us.
2: By his
1: wounds we are healed. And therefore we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope to proclaim with them your glory. Would you take these few moments while all are being served to praise him now for the provision that he has made for us to come into his presence. Would you praise him personally? On the night when He was betrayed, He took bread and after He had given thanks, He broke the bread and gave it to His disciples and said, Take and eat, for this is My body which has been broken for you. And as you do, remember Me, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And after supper, He took the cup of wine. And after He had given thanks, He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which has been shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink this and as you do, remember me, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Oh, you must be stuck. Isn't it great that the company gave us this workout room so we can exercise during our lunch hour? Oh yeah, exercise is
4: great. Fly, oh. slide, fly. Slide. 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 Greta, look, three days to slimmer thighs, eight minute abs, the ten minute total workout. That means that I can have. The body I always wanted in three days and 18 minutes. Just in time for the weekend.
2: Jennifer, the only way to the perfect body is grueling workouts day after day. You have to fight your body. Beat it into submission. You know, the body is the temple of the soul. And I want to have the greatest temple of all time. Shoot. Eat all the chocolate you want and still
4: lose weight? Yes! This new miracle diet has found that they combine the ingredients found in chocolate with a new fat-fighting enzyme. So, this enzyme
2: actually feeds off your fat cells. Watch the pounds drop away. You just never let your body rest, you see. Even when you're watching TV or reading, you can still be doing ab crunches or squats or something. Oh yeah, how relaxing. I don't know. Oh,
4: here's the answer. No diets, no exercise, just buy our 18-hour ace bandage girdle. (laughs) It's made of the same stuff used to protect divers from sharks, so you know it's sturdy. Lose up to 12 inches all over immediately. Hmm. It's not recommended that you wear it for over 30 minutes at a time, though. Can crush internal organs and disfigure permanently. (laughs) Jennifer, you
2: have got to start working out. Look at you, you constantly talk about exercise and diet and you never do anything about it. You're becoming a walking ad for Jell-O. Look at this, top 10 bodies of 1994, okay? Look at yourself and look at these. You know, I work out for health reasons. I exercise 30 minutes a day, cardiovascular tone for about an hour. I eat only organically grown fruits and vegetables. I haven't eaten red meat since 1982. I'm going to live a long and healthy life if it kills me.
5: Pardon me, but would the two of you please to shut up? I'm sorry, but can you not see me over here perched on my stoop? Can you not tell that I am in a state of peace and transcendence? Oh. Are you okay? It is only my body. Oh, here. I'm fine now. Whoa. Please to help oh. Thank you very much. Oh, I have to tell you that I am so sick and tired of eavesdropping on you ignoramuses. I mean, you are both so very wrong. And you are so wrong so loud that I cannot surpass my mortal coil. You are obsessed with your bodies, which will soon be dust, while I am concerned about my soul, which is eternal. Look at you. You are driving yourselves crazy with your exercises and your diets and surgeries. That is not the way to inner peace. He's right. Yes, the body, it's a useless shell, causing only frustration and grief. Bad body! Bad body! Please, don't do that. No, it is the soul that is important. You should spend your time meditating, transcending this worthless body, finding oneness like I have done. Won't you join me?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, very good. Jennifer, it's worth a try.
5: Place for you right there. All right, Bert, we're going to relax. Come on, hoist yourself up, girlie. However you do it, that's good. All right. Well, first we'll try to relax, and then you will let the higher consciousness find you. Let me know when you are ready. Okay. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Well, I'm all out of time. Got to get back to work. All right, you keep working on... Holy cow, I'm so limber. Hmm. Will you have a good day now.
2: Well, he's got a point, you know. That's probably why he wears the turban. I
4: mean, he's got a point about our bodies. I'll never have the perfect body, no matter how much I spend. I will concentrate on my soul. I'll just ignore my body. Well, why
2: not? Everyone else does. Ah, I'm kidding. Come on, we'll go to the cafeteria. I'll buy you the special today. It's a carrot and tofu salad. Oh, I'd love to, but I, I have scheduled cellulite transplant. Sorry.
3: Well... Now that we've offended just about everyone we can, which is our custom, let me ask you to consider this question. What is your reaction, what would be your reaction, if you concentrated on the last verses of the Apostles' Creed that we recite together from time to time? I believe in the resurrection of the body. Is that good news to you? Or is it bad news to you? I suspect that some of you, uh, it's good news. Some of you, it's not so good news. As you get older, it tends to uh, be more of a threat than a promise. But I want to tell you today what that means. I want to give you the description, the biblical description of what it means and how valuable it is. Because most Christians vacillate between one of two extremes that you saw demonstrated in this play one is that you know we we uh, I, I've seen a very uh, conservative and mostly fundamentalist Christians who uh, have a very Greek or a very Eastern idea about the body the body is a bother it is it is something to be repressed or suppressed uh, if you can ignore it uh, if you must pay attention to it pay as little attention as possible to it there are other Christians who uh, have gone the way of another ancient heresy, and that is uh, to pay so much attention to the body as if it were some sort of uh, ultimate glory. Uh, We have uh, uh, been amidst Baal worshipers uh, for uh, thousands of years, Uh, fertility rites, uh, modern naturalists, materialists. Uh, We have people who um, um, freeze their bodies when they die so that, you know, 20 years from now they can be thawed out and Cured with whatever from whatever they had. Uh, who in the world would want to do that? But that's all they have to hang on to because the body is the ultimate. The physical body is the ultimate to them. And then, of course, we have the folks in the middle who <laughs> would like the best of both worlds and want to find the easiest way there. Let me give you the view of Saint Francis. You know how Saint Francis thought of his body. He called his brother, he had a name his brother. He called his, bro, his, his body Brother Ass. Because he knew that while the body had great potential, it would be obstinate. The body was needed and was very valued for the sturdy um, support that, that it could give like a mule. But very much like a mule, it had a mind of its own. In verse... Uh, In in chapter 32 of Psalms, it says, Don't be like the mule who has no understanding. And that's how St. Francis viewed his body. As something with great potential, but something that also caused great distraction and could lead you astray. And that is the situation into which we find ourselves. Now, you've got to ask yourselves a question. Why would the Bible say that afterwards we have a resurrected body? If it can cause that much distraction, if it's that much of a struggle while we're in this world, if it deteriorates and causes that much of a problem, why in the world would God give us a resurrected body? Why not just make us disembodied spirits? Well, turn to the first uh, book uh, or letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and let's see what the Bible has to say. Starting with verse 35. Someone will say, How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool. Now I want you to know, those of you who are Bible scholars, and remember the uh, prohibition of Jesus calling anybody a fool. This is not the same Greek term. It is not more, which, is, which means some sort of moral um, uh, dilapidation. It is aphron, which means you're not thinking. Think. Use your brains, okay? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be. Those of you who worry about people who are physically no more, either because they've been so badly uh, 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 uh Dismembered in some sort of accident or blown up by a bomb or cremated after they died or whatever, you're missing the point. You don't come back as a physical, regenerated physical body. This chapter says very explicitly that although there are links to our physical body, the resurrection body is quite different. So don't worry about all of that. Okay, but read some more with me. You do not sow the body, which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished. To each of the seeds a body of its own. And then he goes on in the next verses to describe some different kinds of bodies. This is reminiscent, is it not, of Genesis, where the seed was replicated according to its own kind. And so there is some sort of correspondence, even though the actual physical seed totally is gone there is some correspondence to that seed Okay. now look at at verse uh, 42 and it tells you not only about uh, uh, the correspondence but about the quality so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown a perishable body it is raised an imperishable body it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And then, in verse 49, it sums it up and says, Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What happens after we die? Well, for years, the Bible has talked about the fact that the soul or the spirit is not connected inextricably to our physical body. As a matter of fact, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, this Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So you see, they're not inextricably tied together. It also says in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 5, verse 8, this. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Notice how he uses those two terms concurrently, simultaneously. We aren't in the body anymore and we are with the Lord. So therefore, when we are out of the body, we are with the, we are, we are with the Lord. Now, how are we with the Lord? Well, um, some people say, well, the body just sleeps and, 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 and your consciousness even sleeps until the day of general resurrection. There are others. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the souls are in heaven with the Lord waiting the full resurrection or redemption of their bodies. Well, how long does that take, would you say? And, and while, we up there, while we're up there, are we just disembodied spirits? Let me remind you of a principle here. The principle is this that only in this world do we operate in the space time continuum. Mr. Einstein helped us out with that realization. Heaven does not operate in the space time continuum. So, only from our perspective is there a wait between the time when we die, and the full resurrection of our bodies. When you're in heaven, there is no wait. There is no time there. So therefore, when we are given insight into heaven, we always see souls with bodies. And those bodies always correspond, watch this, to the bodies they had here on earth. They are recognizable. They are recognizable. So, let's go to the second part here. What correspondence is there when it says, you know, there are certain the the, the, the resurrection body uh, corresponds to the seed? In, in what ways does it correspond? Well, that one that the bodies are recognizable. Let me show you uh, Luke chapter nine verse thirty. Many of you will recognize this; will remember it immediately when I say it. There was a time when Jesus went away to pray, took three disciples with him. And during that prayer time, he was transfigured. It says in verse 29, While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him. They were Moses and Elijah. Now, let me ask you this question. First of all, you see that the spirits have bodies and you see that those bodies have names Moses and Elijah you must also see that those bodies correspond to those people who walked here on earth now let me ask you the second question how did they know who these people were how did they know these disciples had never seen Moses or Elijah before there were no pictures back then. How did they know? They knew because part of heaven is being given instant recognition even of great redeemed bodies, even of spiritual bodies. We know in other words, to put it very plainly, no name tags in heaven. No name tags. Can't you just see going to heaven and see somebody taking a plastic name? Hi, I'm Moses, you know? <laughs> Moses written in with a felt tip pen. No. We will will be given instant recognition. That's a part of the fellowship. We know who each other are. But I want you to see, they already have their bodies. It's like that also in Luke chapter 16, verse 23. As Jesus is telling the story about the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. And Lazarus, the poor man, dies and he goes to heaven. And And the rich man dies and he goes to Hades. And he's in torment in Hades. And look at what it says. It says, And in Hades, he, talking about the rich man here, lifted up his eyes. Lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, he could have recognized Lazarus because he was the guy that he never fed. He never helped. But how did he recognize Abraham? He'd never seen Abraham before. What was that... Because there is that instantaneous recognition. We have uh, uh, that fellowship, that close fellowship and recognition. We even have it for the angels. We even have it for the angels. Look in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Look at what it says. In the vision of John, he is seen, he's given a glimpse into heaven. And in this, he's about to, he's, he's talking about the war that is taking place in heaven in a spiritual sense. And look at what it says here. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with a dragon. How did he name that angel? How did he know Michael? For that same recognition factor. So therefore, the one thing we know, especially about... The, the resurrection bodies that have been, that have uh, continued from people down here on earth is that they are connected with the people who were here on earth. They are recognized, recognized as a continuance of that life. The second thing we must ask ourselves is what I ask at first why would God do this? If this body is such a great distraction, if it takes so much work, and if it's such a quarrel and if it's such a bother, why would He do it at all? And the answer is because our bodies were given to us as a gift for wonderful purposes of full worship. And we can worship with our bodies. And we can have a fuller relationship with our bodies. And we can start that now. Just as your body can ultimately lead you astray and make you want to hide from God, your body is also potentially something that can be drawn and draw you more fully into the presence of God. And so we will be given bodies, glorified bodies, like Christ. Now let me show you where it says that. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says this, For our citizenship is in heaven. As soon as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have just transferred your citizenship. And you are now a citizen of a whole new kingdom. And therefore you become, in a way, a stranger and an alien down here on this earth. Things begin to seem foreign to you because they are foreign to your new nature. It says, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Who will transform the body of our humble, our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. Now, what does that say? That says Jesus changes our, this body into a body like His. And a body like His, even though it wasn't strictly physical, had some of the same attributes that we experience in this physical life. Let's take a look at His resurrected body. Turn with me to the 20th chapter of John. And I'll just give an excerpt out of one of his resurrection appearances. This is in Jesus' resurrected body. Here, the disciples are hiding, scared, in a room with the doors shut. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, is with them. And Jesus appears, not needing them to open the doors. Look at this. And after eight days again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, and they say very specifically, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Now, what's this Bible saying? It's saying he wasn't subject to the same physical laws. He could go, he didn't have to knock and be let in, he could be in their midst without having. To obey the same physical laws. But yet, watch this. He said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, reach here, your finger, and see my hands. And reach here, your hand, and put it into my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Therefore, our resurrection bodies are somehow touchable, somehow they experience this sensation of touch, this sense of touch. Now, why would that be? Well, it could be for the phys- philosophical reason that you know, touch is probably the sensation that gives us most uh, much of an understanding that there's a whole world outside of us that we didn't create. It's not inside of us. I'm so sick of people saying, "Look deep inside yourself for God. Good grief. He created a whole world that's outside of you. He's not confined in there. And that's one of the senses we need to understand, that there's a reality is that which we did not create. And so touch gives us that. But, but it also does this. There is, a, there is a bodily way, literally a bodily way that we worship. Some of you are better at this than others. Some of you, like myself, came up through very stodgy, very confined worship services that only ministered to the minds and sometimes to the emotion, never to the body. But I tell you what, I love to worship in a way that makes my body respond. I, like last week, you know, this week was a little bit more contemplative in its tone. Last week, we were off to the races. And I don't know how anybody in here could, could, could sit or stand in a worship service like that, like that and not have their body fully involved. It was not just an intellectual and emotional experience. It was a physical experience. There was something there. Why? Why does that delight God? Why why did David dance sometimes? Why did Jews raise their hands when they were praying? Why were there different why were people prostrate sometimes when they were praying? Why? Because it was a more complete form of worship. And because it communicated something of the of the the holiness and the and the sovereignty and the gentleness of God that could not be communicated just through thought and emotion. In Scripture, in in Revelation 21, verse 4, there are physical images. The new heavens and the new earth happen, for the first heavens and the first earth are passed away. And it says, God himself shall be with them. And verse 4 says, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's a physical image, isn't it? Did you ever have your mom do that for you? Crawl up, hold you, you were safe in her arms. And she she wiped away your tears. You know, I remember when my mother died some 20 years ago, 20-some years ago now, just suddenly passed away. It was just a week before I was to be ordained. And she had bought a dress, and she was really looking forward to coming to my ordination, and she just dropped in. And I can remember driving back. uh, I was in Indiana. I had to drive back to Ohio. And I, I remember thinking, I'm not feeling anything here. I mean, it was such... I love my mother more than any person who ever walked the face of this earth. And there and there was yeah, I was just so blank, so much in shock. There was nothing there. And I and I and I went, you know, I was went through the, all the stuff you go through and there was nothing there. And boy, I tell you what. I got to that funeral. And I got in front of that casket. on that graveside, at, at, you know, when we when we took her out to, to lower her into the grave, to lower that body into the grave. And I tell you what, I just horde tears. I broke down and absolutely uncontrollably sobbed. I couldn't stop. And I thought I was going to pass out. But somebody came up behind me and stepped off to the side of me and grabbed my arm and put a strong arm around me and just held me as I sobbed. To this day, I do not know who that was. It could have literally been an angel. Because I turned around afterwards and I couldn't find anybody there. Couldn't find who that would be. But I don't know, it doesn't matter. What matters is this there was something communicated to me with that physical hug, that bodily support that could never have been communicated by an intellectual or emotional means. I could have fallen down right there. I could have, my feet could have given out and those arms would have held me up and said, It's going to be okay. The world is not going to fall apart. It's okay. I've got you. That is what it's like. And that's why God continues to give us this wonderful sense of a bodily response because there's some things he communicates to us through those means that we need to understand of his power that we can't get through here or through here. What our resurrection bodies be like? You know, it doesn't really describe it because we can't really understand it. They will be absolutely wonderful. They will be um, uh, something that we, we literally can't fathom right here. Um, let, me, let me just give you a little uh, inkling about the increased quality of life. Um, you know, it talks about taking on the heavenly. Um, I saw a picture a picture by Brisbane one time. I love this picture. It's a picture of a caterpillar funeral uh, procession. All these little caterpillars are dressed up in little ties and things. And there's this picture. And these things are, are marching along and they're carrying this open cocoon. I mean, it's just a broken thing. It looks a lot like a casket, you know. And these, these caterpillars just serious looking. They're just somber. Oh, life is hard. You can see them saying. Oh, there's death all around and, and just above that procession, there's the most gorgeous butterfly, absolutely wonderful butterfly. That is how the resurrection is going to be. We, I can't describe to you the resurrection body any more than a than a caterpillar can understand a butterfly. Can't understand. It's so different. But yet, there's a sense of freedom. There's a sense of wonder. I will tell you this: that'll be something with which the Lord will be able to embrace us. You know, I, I saw something one time. I'll close with this: I saw something I'll never forget. When I was uh, um, younger in my ministry, uh, Johnny Erickson—before she was uh, Johnny Erickson Tata—was uh, just beginning her ministry, but it was it was a ministry that was having a tremendous effect on those who were paralyzed and crippled. Johnny Erickson Tata, for those of you who don't know, is a quadriplegic. She hurt her neck in a diving accident. And uh, and she uh, became the most wonderfully faithful Christian in spite of the fact that she could only move her neck and part of her mouth. She's a wonderful artist. uh, But I tell you what, she is a tremendous witness for Christ. And has done... has, has affected my understanding of why sometimes people are not physically healed because there is a greater ministry. I remember Becky and I going into this this gathering where she was going to be speaking, and they wheeled her wheelchair out on the stage and and we watched the crowd as they came in and and, and so many of them had to be carried in or wheeled in there were so many who who uh, just were Limited, so limited in their capable their physical capabilities. And I thought at that time how empty it would have been for somebody in full health like me to stand up and lecture them on faith. But someone trapped in their situation talking about faith in Christ was so effective. And then at the end of it, I'll never forget this, boy, I just oh man, I just broke down and cried. You know, have you noticed the older you get the more you cry? You know? I never used to cry. I cry all the time. I just I do. There's just there's no reserves. But anyhow, she has this song, she sings, she, she, she and she talked about when she gets to heaven. And she's sitting there. And Jesus comes over and asks her to dance. Asks her to dance. And they get up and they twirl around heaven in ways that she's forgotten how to move for years. I want to tell you, just in that analogy, some of us are limited physically, some of us have a little bit more uh, physical ability, but just as in that analogy, that's what your resurrection body is going to be like. It'll give you freedom to join with the Lord. It'll give you grace you've never known before. That's what you have to look forward to. Now, to close this service, we're going to have a song that helps you use your body. Now, while you wonder about that, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this time. Thank you that you have given us these bodies. Lord, we know, all of us know, and all of us are plagued with their distractions. All of us know that the the horrible uh, misleading of the lust of our bodies uh, of bodies that deteriorate and we concentrate more on them than we do on ministry of how the chemicals of the body can can be such a plague to our moods and so on and so forth but god in spite of that you gave these bodies to us as a gift help us then to respond in bodily form to you and have a ministry that replicates your love, that serves in a bodily way, that loves in a physical way, that someday we might, with our resurrection body, be able to love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.